did. We're the best. We're smart. <laughs> we don't need no man, but we kind of need no man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I still got to open jars sometimes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would be starving if I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what? Uh, I, I have, I got mad cooking skills and I, I still don't most of the time. Uh, Jake, Jake That's cooks awesome. like a hundred percent of our meals. I um, was like, it, I realize I'm like, oh, this is, this is his plan to make me incompetent and have to rely upon him for, for daily needs. Uh. But I love it. Um. <laughs> All right. Uh, everybody, welcome back to Black Card Rehab, the show where we go from zero to black one episode at a time. I am joined by my white friend, Paige. Hello. Hey, on a scale of zero to black, how are you feeling today? Not. Uh, <laughs> not black at all. And uh, it is. It is devastatingly tragic Mm -hmm. when I have to well when anyone has to witness how horribly racist our country still is Mm -hmm. and the tragic loss of life that happens from that Mm -hmm. and no I'm not I'm not black uh and that's (laughs) that's the problem is that I'm treated differently and I shouldn't be Mm -hmm. so we'll leave it at that for today Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Mm-hmm. Yes. So, Crystal, on a scale of zero to African American, how are you feeling today? Um, I am feeling, um, I'm feeling Audrey Lord, um, which is very black, also very yes. gay. But um, I guess that's not Here the point it. that I. <laughs> um. Yeah. I just um, just very inspired by some of the quotes that um from essays that she's written. Um, particularly ones about, uh, about self-care because, um, we're not all, we're not all built for the protest. Um, and not that the people that are protesting are, should even have to, um, I think it's coming out of a, like just flowing out of the, it's the natural progression, um, of, of being under the foot of this country and um yeah i actually uh thought about um you know making this episode a little bit more serious and we are going to talk about some serious things but um i just i've already had such a significant round of uh extricating myself from some things that um prevented me or would have prevented me from um uh existing like feeling like i can exist as a black person in this country and um so now i don't have to exit those things anymore i don't have to leave a job or leave a community um, because i feel like they don't get it and i'm forced to pretend all the time now i'm in a place where i don't have to pretend and uh, most of my relationships i don't i yeah i don't even have to act as if this is not something that's very real and very present and I have a lot of people that are checking in on me and that is such a different place than I was four years ago when we first you know started to see a lot of uh, footage I mean not that it wasn't happening but there was a lot of footage just out there um 
that could you could just visibly see what was going on um so yeah i'm feeling that lady yeah yeah will smith Mm -hmm. had a really interesting quote where he was just like racism isn't different now it's just filmed and i was like "Mm, he right he is right Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. yes it's so true and uh yeah there's no mistaking the the pictures or the footage and uh, man it's just like you know what's interesting is because i'm i'm in an international i guess relationship like my family i guess who i consider my family now like a lot of them live overseas Mm -hmm. so like they're in france and in israel and they're asking my boyfriend like so when are you guys moving (laughs) 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 it's just like it's so like hor- like putrid to them yeah it, you know and that 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 isn't even people's knee jerk response you know to, to leave they're like why would you stay this is this is unacceptable <laughs> um, yeah yeah the fact that other countries warn travelers to the US about our level of racism mm-hmm. should be an indicator that there is a huge problem. I mean, there's many indicators before that, but if for some reason you missed the <laughs> giant wall of red flags, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, if you missed the giant wall of red flags, that is just America in general. Uh, and that was your only indicator. Mm-hmm. It's still a pretty good indicator <laughs> that things are bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I decided, um, that today we would talk about the movie Get Out, which, um, for, you know, fortunately, uh, we both have seen, you know, prior to this podcast, it's a, Mm -hmm. it's a movie that, that Paige you had seen and I had forced myself to see, um, (laughs) (laughs) mainly for the forcing part really just has to do with the fact that I'm, I'm truly a scaredy cat and like, Look, if you are somebody who like loves horror movies and are like that shit wasn't scary, please take several seats, okay? Because us <laughs> us scaredy cats over here <laughs> are very sensitive. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I watched this movie through my fingers, and um, and uh, yeah, but I I loved it. I mean, honestly, it's just like I so I want to know, Paige, when you. I guess, tell me about your experience leading up to watching it and then watching it. So I had been a Key and Peel fan since Mad TV days. Okay. Uh, we used to watch Mad TV and SNL growing up. And uh, one of my dad's favorite sketches was Keegan-Michael Key's gym teacher sketch. I don't know if you're familiar. <laughs> um, I'm vaguely familiar life. with that character, but I don't think I remember watching it on um, that TV, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, she, I, he had, like, fake sideburns or something. Like, yes. Or had, yeah, and, like, yeah, wearing, fake like, a sideburns. sweat, a headband. Yes, and wristband. very, yeah. very tiny shorts. Yes, like, okay. Very tiny, <laughs> like, like 1970s basketball level tiny shorts and very <laughs> tight, too. And he would, as he would get angrier, like break a clipboard and like his voice <laughs> yeah, okay. would go up like an extra octave, like, son of a bitch! And just like, <laughs> and, 
And the the point of the sketch was always him doing something that the coach wouldn't normally have to do. Like one of the best ones is where he has to direct the school play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> that is so great. Um, and he would always be like high kicking in those shorts. Hysterical. Um, I was also a huge fan of the Chappelle show mm-hmm. where uh, Chappelle left the show and was very angry that key and peel came in and did just kind of a similar formatted sketch show and yeah bad blood there Uh, yeah i watched all of it yeah (laughs) same yeah part of me was like but we're the same audience yeah if you if you'd kept doing your show i would have watched that and also key and peel um yeah and also it's just like i what I just have so many thoughts about like I, I I do have I need to try to keep my own personal feelings out of it, but trying to set that aside, like how selfish to be like I want to do it and I don't want anybody else to ever ever do it to, to do what like, I did. I invented variety shows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird. <laughs> like. Okay, like, what did you want them to do? Like, send you royalties from this show? Well, I, I don't mean... work like that. I was like, oh, so are you going to start paying royalties to Carol Burnett? Or yeah, right, gonna, exactly, like... exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, you know, both brilliant shows. I think uh-huh. uh, there were some things that Key and Peele got to do that be- just because the world was a little more progressive at the time that Chappelle didn't get to do and i can understand some anger there um but i saw their first uh, i saw their movie together keanu uh-huh. um because Which i've um, seen a third of love love key and peel uh love kittens and my friend jamar neighbors is in the movie and so uh-huh. he's like i gotta see it uh-huh. um so when Jordan Peele announced that he was going to do a horror movie, I was really excited in part because I love horror movies, but also uh, Jordan Peele had been kind of a a fixture in the horror community. Like if you knew your horror shit, he'd been around for a while and it was everyone else that didn't know about it because uh-huh. even while he was on Key and Peele, he was a super horror nerd and he would like facilitate q a's for people and contribute to like eli roth would do these like history of horror specials or like a special on amc for halloween and he would be one of their like confessional talking heads before he even did get out mm-hmm. um and so i wasn't surprised to see it there are actually like key and peel sketches based on the shining a bunch there's a bunch of like horror precedent there mm-hmm. and yeah no one really knew what he was going to do with the movie. But like, if you were a fan, I was like on board already. I was yeah. like, when this comes out, I'm going. Uh-huh. So uh, when it came out, I don't think anybody knew what to expect yeah. initially. And when people initially saw the movie, I remember seeing the trailer and being like, oh shit, this looks awesome. Uh-huh. And then when it came out, there was like a week of people being like, this is great. I am surprised that this is what this was. Mm-hmm. But it's so inventive and unique. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Like, that's yeah. the best thing you can have for a horror movie is like, oh, this is different from almost everything else. 
Yeah. And what I find interesting is if you talk to Jordan Peele about it, like in interviews and stuff, he actually doesn't see it as different, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is fascinating to me. Yeah. Because it really, when he breaks it down, you're like, oh, it's not different. This is, these are horror tropes through your lens. And it's a lens that we haven't seen enough of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, so yeah, I wasn't, um, yeah, I wouldn't have said that like I, you know, like followed really Jordan beyond any anything besides um, the Key and Peel show. Um, but I do remember, like, I mean, there were so many, um, there were so many sketches that either had a very either Rod Sterling feel or a Hitchcock mm-hmm. feel. Like, um, I remember one in particular, um, I like, I love, and I love that, it, like, he bridged the gap between, like, I guess Twilight Zone and Family Matters somehow. Like, <laughs> You know it's what I'm talking about, yeah, where, <laughs> where Reginald Bell Johnson, like, and, like, Urkel is, like, a robot. Like, yes. I was like, wow, buddy. <laughs> um, if you guys haven't seen that sketch, look it up. It's very funny. And then, of course, there's the, um, the one where the guy doesn't, like, he doesn't know what a continental breakfast yes, is. Yes, uh, Yeah. That, that is my favorite. Yes. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my, I mean, there are so many great jokes in that sketch, but one of my favorite ones is that he's like picking up foods and he's just like, ah, yes. from Belgium. And you're like, yes, banana. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or <laughs> like, he sits, w- <laughs> he sits down. He's like Greek yogurt from like the yes. Netherlands or something like yes. that. It's like, but it's, you just said Greek yogurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and he's like shoveling it all into his mouth, and then he's like, "I'm so excited! I'm incontinent! I'm incontinent!" And it gets me every single time. Uh, and that that sketch is hilarious on its own. But one of the mm-hmm. best Easter eggs in that sketch is that he goes to the counter and he's like, "I would like to extend my stay," and they're like, "But you've always been here," which is a, a callback to The Shining. But even further. <laughs> they cut to a photo of him being yes. there at the Continental Yes, Breakfast. Again, yes. a cut to mm-hmm. The Shining. Mm-hmm. But then they also used the original score from The Shining. It's a song called Midnight in the Park, or I think it's Midnight in the Park with You? Mm-hmm. Mid- or, uh, I'll have to find it. But yeah, That's um, crazy. I didn't know about the music. Yes. And so the, the actual music from The Shining plays under that part of the sketch. And mm-hmm. so if you're a Shining fan, you're just like, oh, my God, it's all here. <laughs> but you would only know if you were like that big of a nerd uh, about The Shining. <laughs> so, yes. That's awesome. So... I remember when this movie came out, just like it, it's it, it just was like, oh, I maybe maybe on like that side of my of this podcast, like, you know, when a new black thing came out, I think because maybe in part because of like being in the entertainment world a little bit and um, just knowing that, like, I, I just I had to claim my blackness in a different way or I had begun to claim my blackness in a new way. 
when things like that came out, it was like, okay, I'm for sure going to have to see this, even though I'm going to be terrified. Um, and also, I the weird thing is, is that I think that was that experience for a lot of people who weren't even black. People just yes. felt the need, like they all were like, oh, we all have to see this. Yeah, I, I definitely felt that a little bit because there, it's not that there are no black centric and black produced and black directed horror movies there are but they are in such a a fewer supply than Mm -hmm. the the white directed and produced horror movies that come out and to the point where there are tropes about black people in horror movies where they always die first Mm -hmm. or that they can only be in some way related to being a slave or a villain. And that's the only kind of story they can have, even though there are, you know, there is, there are historical precedents within horror movies for that to be different. One of the first kind of commercially well-released and well-known zombie movies, Night of the Living Dead, has a Black protagonist. And that was one of the first times that had ever happened. And it was like a huge deal. And there are a lot of parallels between that film and what the original ending of Get Out was supposed to be, which we can talk about later when we get to it. But yeah, I felt the need to support the movie, to support more art like this yeah see and i think there's a lot of people who not being horror fans maybe necessarily like i think i think what happened was like people felt like oh i'm not going to be able to participate in in society if i haven't like like i felt i think there was this immense pressure to either be like or i can't i can't talk to my black friends at work if i have not seen this movie like or i i don't get to talk about anything in the culture unless i have seen this movie and i don't know how that happens beyond like i guess he him being like this figure that people already knew from this other thing that everybody liked or mm-hmm. that a lot of people liked and then tra- I don't or like having a lot of money behind it or the marketing I don't know how that happens I don't know how it ha- like because the thing is is that like here here Kendrick Lamar is with a Pulitzer I mean not at the time but like he has a right. Pulitzer right mm-hmm. you would think that that would I mean and a t- of course a ton of people love Kendrick Lamar or at least like know his name or know like two songs, right? Right. But I don't think everybody is rushing to all listen to all of his albums the way that people were rushing to see this movie. Yeah, does that make only, sense? Yeah, but, it does. Yeah. And because it was a cultural phenomenon, you know, just for everybody. And the only thing I think I feel similar to it is I've never seen the movie Titanic. Oh, <laughs> ever. And now it's at a point where, like, I can't go back and watch it now. Like, why? It's just silly. Um, but as a kid, I wasn't allowed to watch it because of the sex scenes in it. And for a long time, not having just the basic knowledge of that movie was so alienating that mm. I was like, I I feel like I'm going to have to watch it. And now I'm like, I don't need to watch a boat sink in real time. But mm-hmm. I imagine that if you had not seen get out can you imagine what that would be like 
like the amount of conversations <laughs> where you would have been like, oh, I haven't seen it. And people would have been like, what is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's funny because, um, and I'm actually going to plug another podcast. They have no idea who I am, but I love these guys. It's a show called Reply All. Okay. Um, it's a it's a podcast um, as a part of the the Gimlet Media um, production company, and um, but they just started a podcast called Scaredy Cats, um, and the whole the whole uh, concept behind the show is. Um, one guy, one of the guys from the show, it's the two well, hosts of that other show. One I of the stop guys, you super quick. Oh, why? What? They stole the concept of that show. It's like oh, a big they? deal right now. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they stole the title from like a YouTube channel too. Ooh, that's not good. No, it's not. Well, I'm not. <laughs> well, I'm still going to talk about the show because it relates to what we were talking about before. Yeah, go for it. And um. Still listen to Reply All. I'm not actually plugging this other show. Um, Reply All is fantastic. Um, but this other show, like he he started watching. He start he's trying to watch horror movies because he couldn't watch Get Out. Right, right, right. And he wants to watch Get Out. And he's trying I to mean, work up to it. Yes, he's trying to work up to it. Like that's, that's the really whole goal. Interesting. The goal so... is to start like have his friend pick. Like for, I guess softcore horror to to leading up to Get Out, which I I don't even know if that's the right direction, but like that's his goal is to be able to eventually watch Get Out and in, and enjoy it because he feels left out, and that that's that's the thing that I'm talking about. Like these yeah. guys can can settle this out in in podcast court, but. <laughs> But what I'm, yeah, getting at is like this feeling. I'm like hearing, listening to this white dude from New York just express yeah. like this extreme pain over feeling left out of something that happened in society. And I'm like, this is a movie. Wow. Like, how did that happen? Well, here's what's super interesting. So the there's another show with the same concept that's been going on for like two years. And then there's a YouTube channel with the same concept that has the same title that is unrelated. Mm-hmm. And the the podcast that's been going on for a couple of years is called Horror Virgin. The mm-hmm. idea being that one of them has like can't watch horror movies hates them has never seen cultural touchstones because Mm -hmm. they consider horror to be a cultural touchstone but they watched get out fairly early on because he was like oh this isn't scary this is awesome right and that's why i was like is this a direction that i mean because i'm like yes it is I will say as somebody who doesn't like horror movies, like, like, you know, doesn't find, I I mean, on the scale of things that are scary, I mean, this, this is, is not as intense as some things are. Oh, no, I I would say Get Out is soft horror. Like, I would Mm -hmm. not consider that as scary as many other things, but I think it also depends on the type of horror that you are invested in, because Mm -hmm. there are some horror movies that even I just cannot handle, but other people can. And there are movies that I watch and have no problem with that other people physically cannot sit through. So horror is very personal in that way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like for me, like I could watch gore all day, every day does Mm -hmm. not bother me. Mm -hmm. Doesn't even bother me a little bit. Uh, but I have a real tough time watching movies about possession. Which, oh, okay. Interestingly enough, Jordan Peele considers Get Out to be a possession film. 
Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Why he, is that? So, and it's really interesting. He, in Eli Roth's history of horror on possession films, they include Get Out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's because they have an interview with Jordan Peele where he's like, I consider this to be a possession movie because you've got one person or people taking over another person's body. Right. Which is possession. Mm-hmm. And I think the only reason people don't immediately connect it with other movies like that is because of the cultural and racial elements in the movie that I think play an even bigger part. But one of his big inspirations when he was writing get out is the exorcist which i physically cannot finish that's you know what's interesting about that is um so prior to me um being becoming a scaredy cat Mm. i used to watch horror movies and i used to like i guess would say that i enjoyed them Mm-hmm. And maybe I did. And the ones that I like, uh, I consumed the most and I thought were, were the most scary. And I was like, why even why even bother if it's not going to scare me? Um, but this was like back when I was a like preteen to teenager. Yeah, I preferred ex- I, I preferred possession movies. In- so like, so is- I've watched The Exorcist. I've watched yeah. all the omens, all of them. So. I watched Rosemary's Baby. (laughs) Now, I, so I recently watched Rosemary's Baby because I had Mm -hmm. to watch it for research on the Antichrist for my other show. And as you do, uh, as you do. (laughs) And I actually really enjoyed Rosemary's Baby. It's good. Way more than I expected to. (laughs) Um, But what I find really interesting is I feel like people who were raised in a religious context go one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Either they're like me and they have a really tough time with it and Mm -hmm. really don't like watching it. Or they're all in and they're like, yeah, I'll watch any possession movie. I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I find it really interesting who falls on what side of that fence. It's a very (laughs) polarizing. I think because especially at the time, you know, like growing up in a religious household, like and if, you know, my mom was into scary movies. And so I was trying to, you know, keep up. And at the time, I don't think I was just I think I like was numbing my sensitivity to it um and so for me like it was it was really the what was at issue was well what could happen and so for my like brain at the time like okay well i believe in possession that shit's real okay this shit this is the real stuff like it was on a scale of like i didn't believe like the alien stuff or like you know nightmare on elm street that kind of thing but i but i fully believe like oh oh demon's gonna get me yep Yes. (laughs) so yeah now this is something i kind of found with myself in zombie movies is that i because i have done a lot of introspection into why i like the horror movies i do and and why i gravitate towards certain types of horror Mm -hmm. and for me the scariest part of zombie movies is not the zombies themselves it is the people the people who are still alive and trying to survive that's Those, scary. Wait, they're scary? Yes. Because they the can scariest. survive? No, because people who are scared will make choices that are dangerous. That's true. And so, like, there's a, a scene in uh, the most recent War of the Worlds, the one with Tom Cruise. It's not great. I don't recommend it. But there is a scene where they have a car and they get carjacked by a survivor mm-hmm. who happens to have a gun. Uh, they get out of the car that survivor 
drops the gun, gets in the car to drive away. Someone else picks up the gun, shoots that guy, gets in the car, drives away. Somebody else shoots that guy. And it's literally Mm -hmm. like, and it's this fear of people cannot care about anything outside themselves when they are in this position. There is no empathy. There is no collective survival. There is only the thinking of themselves and surviving Mm -hmm personally and yeah. that ideology is terrifying to me that's one of my that makes sense. fears yeah yeah mm-hmm. well let's get into the movie yes please um i mean so you know everybody spoiler spoilers um i mean the beginning of this movie i'm trying to remember did they show the beginning of this movie in the trailer i feel like they did so they showed a little like bit it, of it. Yeah. yeah, just a little bit. But they very, very quickly got to her parents' house. Mm-hmm. So they, they didn't give it a lot of time in the beginning. We didn't get to hear uh, um, Lil Rel warning him about white girls. <laughs> right. Uh, that's something that we only get in the film. I uh, mean, but like that section where um, it's what's-his-face... Um, uh, what's the actor's name? Where he gets basically kidnapped. Oh, so, no, the that's not in the scene. trailer. That very yeah. opening scene. Okay. Uh, e- extremely frightening because that actor yeah. looks a lot like one of my college roommates. Oh, really? Was, yes, who was a jazz, jazz, a jazz saxophonist. Still is a jazz saxophonist. Wait, is this uh, the one that didn't know about grilled cheese? Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, but Ricky Hopkins, he makes amazing music. Check it out. He just put out a new album like about a month and some change ago. So, uh, but he looks a lot like him. He also mm-hmm. looks a lot like a guy I went to high school with. It's like if there was like a melding of those two. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, this initial scene is actually very scary because I was like, this feels like people I know being kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And it also seemed very real. I feel like one of the most effective parts of this scene is that it really kind of harkens back to a case like Trayvon Martin, where you have someone walking through an affluent neighborhood and then a car just pulls up. Mm -hmm. And that's one of my biggest fears for my African-American friends is Mm -hmm. that could just happen to somebody. Mm -hmm. And it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really, really loved um, the beginning because... I mean, it's a very, um, it, yeah, it's a, it, it's a very typical thing. I mean, I'm speaking as somebody who I'm like, I don't like horror movies now, but I do, I have watched them. So I do know like the kind of things that you usually see in horror movies, which is like kind of an opening scene giving like, uh, there's something to be afraid of, but you don't know what it is. Yes. Um, and it doesn't necessarily relate to the actual main character. Like right. somebody else is affected by it first. And then you have the whole, the main character kind of responding physically um, and emotionally to what they don't know is happening. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that opening scene does a really great job of conveying to the audience without, without specifically showing them what they should be afraid of. Mm-hmm. We know what we should be afraid of in that scene, and it colors our view of the rest of the characters in the movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, and the music. Oh my God. The music. And actually, now that you say it, now thinking about like the, you know, the possession 
it being a possession movie, mm-hmm. the music is very evocative of that because it's yeah. very like voodoo, you know, like from, you know, like African chanting. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes but a lot also, of sense. And also Redbone. Yeah, Redbone. Yeah, absolutely. But I think the the um, that under the under the under the track of that is like that African chanting, which mm-hmm. is it reminds me of like the Gregorian chant, you know, like yeah. that you hear when you're watching the Omen. Like it's the yes. same shit, but mm-hmm. from a different country. Like mm-hmm. that was good. But I yeah. Anyway, good. Oh no, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, it, it definitely does. Hmm. Um, okay. Wait, so tell tell us things that like I mean, I don't know, like but I wouldn't know having only watched this once because <laughs> I can only watch it <laughs> once. Um uh there there's a few different things with this movie. I mean, the the main thing is viewing it through the lens of, lens of a uh possession narrative. Mm-hmm. Um I think the sunken place is a very there's a lot to be pulled from that as far as symbolism, mm-hmm. even just the name. It's this implication that we are going to subjugate black people for the furthering of white people, which is basically this theme in the movie, because you have white people literally stealing a black person's body to mm-hmm. further their agenda. Mm-hmm. And in a possession movie, it's you know a demon or the devil usually stealing a body for their own agenda but that agenda is not necessarily as clear and i think something in this movie that's really interesting is we know exactly why they're doing what they're doing um it takes us a while to figure out how or why but it's not it's not surprising which i think yeah. is in some cases troubling uh mm-hmm. i I don't know about you, but I would feel, and I'm sure he does in the movie, but I feel like they kind of explain it away uh, when he gets to her parents' house and they have black people working as their house staff. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, how is this not your first, like, oh, this is bad. Like, this mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. this is terrifying. <laughs> um I did like that they they have Bradley Whitford say that he would have voted for Obama a third term. Yeah, that, yeah. Oh, that's such one of the best lines in the movie because it it does give you this. It it allows for racism to transcend political party, if that makes sense. Absolutely, I well, and I think to your point, um, like what I loved about. Um, the the main character and the way that they wrote him is I feel like they were writing the kind of character that you like just like I don't even remember what they what they gave us in terms of like what his oh yeah because they did get into his background Mm -hmm. um but with his mom and yeah um I think that like there are so many people that are trying to survive right there's so many and I mean by people I'm talking right now about black people. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's so many different ways that you are either numbing yourself to the things that are going on or in order to survive, you are like just not paying attention to them or not letting them bother you. So in some ways you're playing your own devil's advocate in your head. And there is a, there's a, 
I think over time, your soul begins to reject that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you live long enough, um, your soul begins to reject that because the evidence is so much, there's so much evidence in our face right now, right? right. That you're not making it up. And I think like the way that they wrote him is he's the kind of guy that's like trying to see the good in everybody, mm-hmm. right? He's like, I'm not... I'm not interested in being angry at everything. You know, he's he's being the kind of person that white people want him to be, which is not making a fuss, not looting, not, uh, you know, uh, uh, setting targets on fire. Right. Right. He's being the person that they want him to be. And 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 so that's why in that moment when, you know, when you see two black you know, may a maid and whatever that guy's other his role was, their uh, house like a groundskeeper, yeah. groundskeeper. Yeah, I think that that kind of person, or you know, a person who's in that part of their journey as a black person, can easily just be like, oh, okay, like at least they're you know, let, let me just watch and see how they treat them. Okay, they're treating them well, you know, mm-hmm. like so. Okay, no harm, no foul here, right? Like they right. they seem happy initially, right? Mm-hmm. until they seem weird <laughs> right which for me one of the most terrifying scenes in the movie is when he confronts the maid the housekeeper mm-hmm. and she's crying mm-hmm. but also saying like, smiling oh, i'm fine <laughs> at the same time. yeah mm-hmm. crying and smiling at the same time mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah that that to me was the most unsettling at that point in the movie, obviously, there are very unsettling things that come after. But like at that point when you're still not 100 percent sure what's going on, very unsettling. Yeah. Um, Cause, yeah. Because I think if you have like if you have like a like a Spike Lee character in this in that role, you kind of the jig is up too soon. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, just if we take that to like what's happened in society, it's like, all right, <laughs> so many people to survive are, you know, like they're trying to be like the Daniel Kalua, you know, like they're trying to be that that role just to like to eat and have jobs and you know what I mean? And or because they're in churches where they're told, you know what I mean? Different st- there's it comes at you from all these different places. And so that's why a lot of the the brutality and the injustice can continue. Right. Um, be, yeah, because we're all, we're all, okay, this seems fine. This seems normal. Okay, that's fine. These white people are treating them okay, it seems like, I guess, you know? Yeah, it's, it's this idea of like, well, at least they have a job. Mm-hmm. Like, like <laughs> I don't know if you ever hear, heard people like that where you're like hey it seems like that person in that service position might not be treated as well and they're like well it's better that they have a do- job than don't and i'm like mm, missing the uh-huh. point i think yeah <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> mm, no mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> um, yeah and uh, go ahead i think they did <laughs> a really great job of even in this quote-unquote progressive house which is what they ma- they do a very good job of painting these people as the white people, like the good white people, uh-huh. like, or what we would imagine that to be. Um, but then within the people that they have trapped, the groundskeeper and the housekeeper, 
they have them playing very classic african-american tropes okay where like the groundskeeper is unnaturally strong and running everywhere and they're commenting Mm. on his strength all the time much like you would have a slave back in the day where it's like things have changed but they haven't Uh because they have pulled him specifically for those traits and they Uh are pulling people specifically for those traits and the housekeeper is really kind of given a lot of the kind of mothering caretaking responsibilities that a housekeeper would have been given back in the day and so it is this very very stark contrast between people white people claiming we're the good ones they aren't slaves we treat them well but a very obvious link to the past where those roles would not have been treated well and Mm -hmm. i think they did that deliberately Mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely um what i mean i guess what else do you see as like um the the symbols that they did a really good job with um i liked that um they every every black person that they take they take for one stereotyped reason mm. and which again you see a little bit with the groundskeeper and, and the housekeeper but then you also see it with daniel kalua's character where he's taken for his art and his creativity mm. and then the other the man that we saw kidnapped in the beginning he is taken for his beauty and it is all of these things that in a lot of ways i would say white america covets about black america strength kindness creativity and beauty and it is literally in some ways taking those things from the black community by taking Uh literal people that bring Uh that about and Uh i found that very striking i also found it very striking that when they kind of kind of put him in the sunken place and start playing that video of like what they do and why uh that it is a hunting lodge and it is this transformation from what we would perceive as quote unquote good liberal white people to a lot of the earmarkers of what people would say is like oh racist backwards white people and it's Uh within the same house Uh and it is this idea that under this kindness under this this facade of being woke and being progressive there is still this protected history and these protected desires to subjugate black people and i found that symbolism very interesting i also found it very interesting that she hypnotizes people with tea uh that it was this very proper ritual that Uh black people would not have been invited to participate in and her house staff is not invited to participate in but most tea is harvested in black countries or Mm. tropical countries or countries that are not white and so it's it's a further representation of white people taking something that is inherently black and creative and black owned 
and using it to then subjugate black people. Um, I found that very interesting. I thought uh, it was interesting to have them talk about the party they were having and have them be like, oh, you'll love it. It's going to be great. And then have the only other black people there be the ones that they had already kind of broken down and no one yeah. else. There were no just black guests there. So I yeah. think there's, there's a lot of cultural implications in this movie that you can watch it just for a horror movie, but I think it's much more interesting when you really, really examine the actions they have given these characters because I feel like they have so much more meaning even than they do just within the story. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... I'm trying to imagine, remember like what I felt while I was watching the movie. Um, yeah. Because... I, yeah, I, I think a lot of what I felt was... Uh, so I, I have yet to see Django Unchained. Um, yeah, but my mom and so many black people are like, you got to watch it. And I, I feel it. like the feeling that they've described feeling in that movie is what I felt in this movie. You know, it was okay. just like, we like just a level of vindication. And I'm not just talking about the end. I'm just talking about like, oh, they have to see it now. You know, yeah. like they have to see this feeling they have to they're being invited to experience like through a horror movie movie the feelings that i that we often feel when we go into spaces that are not particularly ours mm-hmm. um and so i think that was interesting just like putting that feeling front and center like mm-hmm. i remember once in college um I was invited to go on this like night cruise with a bunch of uh, uh, like, I guess it was like a friend's, a friend's very rich church was putting on this thing. And so we were going to go and um, another of my friend was going as well. And he was also white. Um, but I was just like, I knew just the name of the church and the person that was initially inviting me. I'm like, it's going to be all white people. Like, I know who's that going. <laughs> like, that wasn't even a, a, a question in my mind. Like, right. it, will I be there? I was like, I already assumed. I knew, right, going yeah. into it. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I remember for like a week, I was trying to get my my friend, my best friend, um, to to go with me. I was like, "Please be black with me at this party. Please mm-hmm. go with me." And and this was all going on behind the scenes. Like the the guys that initially invited me, they didn't know, but I kept trying to invite her, and she just ultimately decided not to go. Mm-hmm. And so it was very funny to me when we, you know, we drew, we got, we we're about to get in the car to go, and my one friend to me, like think, thinking he's being sensitive, thinking he's real, like he's just realized the situation. He's like, mm-hmm. hey, I don't know how to say this, but. I just, you, you might be the only black person there. And I lost my shit. I laughed so much in his face. <laughs> I was like, like, I know. <laughs> yeah, I like the fact that you just put this together just shows to me how white you actually, and, and this go like, this goes back to the point where you're talking about, about like, you know, them showing like, these are, these are liberal white people. These are the ones yeah. that are trying to be the good ones. And that's who he was, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like, not that that takes away from I, the 
you know, whatever good he wanted to be or was trying to be, but it is, exposes his, his, his blindness. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I, dude, I've been knowing, like, um, and so that I kept joking with him throughout, you know, on the drive over, I was like, well, you know, maybe the chef or like the wait staff, like maybe they'll be, <laughs> and this oh. was like, this was like eight years before Get Out came, you know, and it's just like, we know what it is. And so there is a level of like, I mean, I guess I wouldn't have ne- never described it as horror, but there's this, un this feeling of unease that if I mean, I'm just so glad that somebody exploited that for a movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I feel like I, I have a theory that people understand people better when they have friends that are those people. Yeah. And I think in some ways that's a huge problem when dealing with, you know, be it groups of a certain race or even like a sexual orientation or a gender identity my I feel like my parents didn't really understand gay people well until they had gay friends Mm -hmm. and I think that makes a difference Mm -hmm. you know I think it made a difference for me and I feel like in so many ways there are white people who just don't have black friends or only have one black friend yeah. that they use as their calling card for not being racist. Um, yeah, they're an alibi. Yeah, and I think that makes a huge difference that some people seeing this movie would have never been invited into that feeling, would mm-hmm. have never understood that feeling. You know, mm-hmm. I have been with you at an event where you were one of the only black people. It, mm-hmm. It's pretty rare in Los Angeles, but like it yeah. happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been with other friends where that has been the case. I've been the only white people places like it's mm-hmm. you kind of if you've never experienced that feeling, I feel like it is almost necessary to have an understanding of this movie. And I feel like it does a great job of trying to give you a visual representation of what that is like yeah yes yeah i think that was great um and then uh you know i think this job did a great job of repairing the reputation of tsa i mean man like (laughs) (laughs) true true though True. I was like, every TSA person needs a uh, needs a T-shirt that just says, "I'm the motherfucking TSA." It reminded um, me of I was watching Men in Black the other day uh, because it's Will Smith. As you do. And why wouldn't as you do? Why wouldn't you? It was Men in Black was on, and there's that early early scene in the movie where Will Smith chases a a, a guy down. Mm-hmm. knocks him down and then just says n-y-p-d that means <laughs> i will knock your punk ass down and <laughs> his his ending like t-s motherfucking a yes. reminds me of that of the knock your punk ass down love it absolutely absolutely love it um okay uh, you were mentioning earlier what was the other um the alternate ending or Ooh, okay so there and you you mentioned 
you heard from people who had seen it. I've seen clips of like storyboards and and things, and then there are a few shots from it that are still in the movie. They're just in a different context. So, okay, the, the ending in the that aired in the theaters is that. He gets out to the road. He stabs that white girl to death, basically, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or strangles her. I I forget, but he he kills the white girl. And then he looks up and he sees red and blue lights, which we know is the cop. And in the theatrical version, that cop car pulls up and it's his friend, Lil Rel from the TSA. And he saves the day. Mm -hmm. Um, In the original ending, the red and blue lights pull up and Daniel Kalua puts his hands up and then he is shot by the police. Mm. Basically this idea of even if you made it, even if you got out, even if you did everything right to survive, mm-hmm. they're still going to get you. Mm-hmm. And it was determined that it was too upsetting of an ending, not necessarily for white people necessarily but more that we've seen him kind of conquer so much that it feels like a uh, it feels like the story's incomplete and it feels like it's out of sync with the rest of the attitude of the film but part of the reason that they have that ending is because of george romero's night of the living dead in 1965 because in that movie ben who is the black protagonist and helps the main character basically he shows up and helps her kind of barricade her house against these zombies in that movie the police eventually do come to help save the day and they shoot ben because Mm -hmm. they believe that he is harming her instead of protecting her Mm -hmm. and so it is a callback to that film and Mm -hmm. now granted that's something that if you're not a huge horror nerd you don't know and would not have necessarily translated easily across all audiences. But I do feel like, uh, you know, I'm not going to stand here and say, I wish that was the end of the movie. I love the original and I love the theatrical ending as well. Mm-hmm. But I will say, I understand that original ending. I understand putting it there. I, I would not have been mad if that was the original ending. Mm-hmm. It would have been an upsetting story. It would have been an upsetting ending as opposed to a triumphant one. Yeah, but I also feel like it would have been a very real ending. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I just felt I I yeah. I don't know. I know how I would have felt. I would have felt re-traumatized for sure. Oh, um, for sure. <laughs> but I think there's something about like what because what I felt in this this movie as opposed to like other other scary movies that I had been forced to watch after i like kind of gave them up um because uh my best friend had this thing where she was like oh i'll do this thing that you want to do if you watch a scary movie with me so somehow i ended up watching the strangers in the theater um yeah with scott speedman whatever the hell Mm that those clowns were doing um anyway but what i loved about this in particular was they pushed they push the moments of tension and con- consistently relieve them with humor, right? Mm-hmm. And so, it, to me, if that had been the ending, it would have been inconsistent with the with the rest in that regard. Because every time you felt like you know you couldn't handle any more, they would kind of 
burst that tension with a moment of humor. Yeah. Um, the yeah. rest of this movie was designed for white people to go see in the theater with their friends and sit there while their black friend looks at them. Yeah. <laughs> until they get it. <laughs> That's the ideal that's, way to watch the movie. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's so that's spot on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just remember the movie ended and I just went fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was funny because I actually watched this movie. I think with only black people and even the row that i was in like i think our row our particular row was like all black because we were i think unfortunately late that's usually not my mo i'm usually on time but i was you are i was compromised yeah (laughs) Uh, my my my, uh um my i was compromised by my the company that i was keeping at the time um and uh And and so we ended up sitting close to the front, um, which also happened to be like next to uh, like quite a few other black people that I guess had also shown late, showed up late. Um, and so, but the funny thing was, so like we're all dying in our row, and there was moments where like I mean, because the rest of the theater was white, we were in like I think we were in Hollywood. Did you go to the um, light or some shit? Yes, we did. We went to the arc light. <laughs> we went to the motherfucking arc light. Oh my god. Yeah. So we go to the arc light and then um, and I'm sitting there, we're watching it. But there were definite moments where I'm looking at these like I would turn around, like aggressively turn around to look at all the white people <laughs> in the middle of the movie. We're like, you, you see this shit? <laughs> this is real. <laughs> like, <laughs> this ain't a fantasy. <laughs> I, I had the opposite experience when I went to go see Paranormal Activity. Oh man, you saw it with black people see. Yes! Honestly, I would, I, I would, I would go see uh, more horror movies. I guess if there were black, more black people in the theater, it is the ideal way to see horror movies. I, yeah. I stand by that, <laughs> and I had to go see it for a field trip because mm-hmm. I was in college at the time when it came out, and so it was me. There were only six people in our class, and one of the guys in our class was black, uh, and then so it's like five white people. And then a room of black people because we were mm-hmm. on the west side, kind of further south because we were by UCLA. Mm-hmm. And uh, at one point, a woman stood up in the row in front of us and just said, damn, she needs Jesus. And no! I <laughs> lost my mind. I laughed so so hard and it was at like a really scary point in the movie and i loved it we came out of the theater and i was like this is the best way to see this movie and my professor was like i wish people had been more respectful of the cinema i was like fuck you yeah exactly (laughs) this is how this movie was meant to be viewed it's funny because you know like i grew up around I grew up in a mixed, you know, but I was around a ton, a shit ton of white people. Mm -hmm. But I think because I stopped watching horror movies, my knee jerk response is verbal now. Oh, yeah. When I watch horror movies. And so it actually ends up being very much like watching horror movies with, you know, 
the black people, like a bunch of black people from the hood, because I am yelling everything. Because I, I have to, I have to emote. Otherwise, it just it builds up inside. I feel like that should be acceptable in horror movies. I like, agree. I'm, I'm going to stand here and say <laughs> the best option for watching horror movies is a scenario in which you can verbalize like that if you need to, because mm-hmm. I think it kind of galvanizes the crowd. I think everyone starts to get more scared and you're yeah. kind of in it together. And that's what kind of makes seeing horror movies in the theater so great. And I think one right. of the last ones I saw in the th- well, I guess I saw Midsummer, but before that, I saw a movie called uh, called Crawl in the movie theater, and it was it's basically uh, like Jaws, but with a giant gator. That's all you need uh-huh. to know. It's only okay. Like, it's like eighty <laughs> minutes long. It's like it's it's. I think it's on Netflix right now. Fun watch. Um, mm. and I screamed <laughs> my head off. We were one of the only people in the theater, but at one point in the movie there was just like a jump scare and i just screamed motherfucker and just like jumped <laughs> out of the skin and my my husband was like babe like what are you and i'm like it's scary like what are you yeah doing? it's meant to scare people right right so what are you I, doing sitting there like a robot yeah, fucking sociopath <laughs> is not scared of this shit um I, yeah i think people should be allowed to yell in horror movies all they want so okay, here's before we wrap this up. What what is something? Because you how many times would you say you've seen this movie? Get out. Ooh, yeah. I, well, I don't know. Um, it's been a while since I've watched it, but at least a handful of times close to when it mm-hmm. came out, and then I've definitely watched it at home since it's been out mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. What do you? I mean, what would you say is something that you think it's easy to miss the first time around? that you 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 hope that people will get um when they watch it like if people are are gonna rewatch it or gonna watch it for the first time what do you what do you hope they'll see i think the house is really important and Mm. this is just something i have with horror movies in general but specifically in this house there are changes to the house as the movie progresses Mm -hmm. so like the version of the house that you see initially really does serve that kind of like liberal white people narrative. And Mm -hmm. then it gets more country as they Mm. get darker. That's interesting. It's one of those things where initially things seem very kind of clean and modern Mm -hmm. and then more and more kind of kitschy, floral, hunting things come out the longer the movie goes on, which yeah. is actually something I kind of noticed watching it the first time and was just like, oh, that's interesting, but like didn't pay a ton of t- attention to it. And in subsequent times watching it was like, oh, oh, no, this is deliberate. There is mm-hmm. definitely. And anytime you're watching any horror movie, always watch that stuff. That's like mm-hmm. horror 101. Uh, Midsummer had like the entire story on the walls like oh wow so that if you go back and watch it you're like oh my god that's exactly what's going to happen two scenes mm-hmm. from now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, or uh, Hereditary is another one where um, certain characters only do things on the left which sounds like a weird thing to notice but it's a movie that deals with the occult and occult mm-hmm. magic and mm-hmm. evil occult magic uh, and so you can always tell who is evil in the story because they're on the left 
meaning the left-hand path or dark magic. So there's always stuff like that going on in horror movies. So I'm, I feel kind of attuned to it, but definitely in Get Out, watch The House. The House tells mm-hmm. a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's fascinating. Um, oh, so let's uh, give our review um, oh, how yes. ma- out of how many uh, hair picks? Oh, this is 10 out of 5 hair picks. For wow! I, yeah! I love this movie. Yeah. I legitimately mm-hmm. love it. Um, I think it's great. I think everyone should watch it. I thought it mm-hmm. got kind of robbed Oscar-wise, but horror movies yeah. never win, and mm-hmm. also they hate giving Oscars to black people, so that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really liked it. I also really liked Us after, and I am very mm-hmm. excited for Candyman. So I, I'm yeah. excited for this new inclusive horror renaissance that we got mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. I am excited. Yes, surprisingly enough, I did also force myself to watch Us, which I thought was significantly more scary than Get Out. Uh, It's very, very scary. Um, Thank you for saying that because people have been bitches about it. Us speaks specifically to my personal fears because, again, Mm -hmm. it's people in desperate times making desperate choices. Right. and I remember right before us came out when you were psyching yourself up to go see it. And I remember <laughs> that you were like, we have to go see it. We have to support Jordan for the community, for the culture. We have to go. And I was like, I'm not trying to talk you out of it. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> we, we actually went, I if I remember correctly, I think we went with Danielle Radford and her uh, boyfriend at the time, Derek Lemos. Uh-huh. And so we felt very white because, again, we were like the whitest people there. <laughs> but, but that was a very, I, that, I felt very scared in us. And I think that's a fascinating meditation on classism in America. People Absolutely. It. Yeah. Very meaningful film. Um, and I'm excited for, I, I really want you to go see New Candyman. I know you don't want to see it. <gasps> okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, I might be, you know, recent circumstances may force me to do it. Um, it just looks because amazing. I like, I mean, kind of going back to get out, like I, I would say same, I would say, you know, yeah, five, five out of five hair picks, you know, all the hair picks, like he gets yes. all the hair picks for this because, um, yeah, never have I ever felt so much at the center, um, mm-hmm. like issues that I am, am personally dealing with. In fact, recently an episode of Insecure, like, uh, highlighted a very familiar moment for me. Um, and it was so good. Um, if you guys aren't watching Insecure, this is a spoiler, but like, uh, in it, the character Molly she goes on vacation with her boyfriend who is Asian and her brother, uh, her, her, her boyfriend's brother and his um, girlfriend comes along and she has an issue. She deals with an issue of racism that's particular to black racism. And he kind of, kind of um, encourages her. He kind of plays devil advocate with her. And mm. I just was like, this is so familiar to me. And I don't know why I've never seen it on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, like never in this way and I'm like how smart of them to do it 
with not white people right yeah like mm-hmm. it's not what because it's not just and and even there it's not just even like other races even black people we've all had there's all there's ways that all of us have taken in and like um drank the kool-aid so to speak of white supremacism and mm-hmm. um we we parrot that back to each other we parrot it back to ourselves and um, that is one of the things that I love so much about this movie is, um, yeah, it, it's it's showing it, it puts white supremacy on trial. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and that's what's I mean, that's what's happening now. That's what the world is seeing happening now with this country yeah. um, is that white supremacy is on trial. And you see it not just in the white communities, you see it in all the other communities and how people are responding to it, you know, um, how people are responding to black people, even black people, how they're responding to other black people. You can see how there's white supremacist ideals in mm-hmm. so much of yeah what we believe yeah and historically i mean white supremacy has existed for a long ass time but specifically in the politics of our country there has been a renewed surge of white supremacy over the last 20 to 30 years that has gone unchecked and Mm -hmm. especially now and people Mm -hmm. need to be vigilant about it because it is a force that seeks to undermine the very things that we would call American, which are the ideals of people being free and being included and having the ability to try and achieve their dreams. And it's very easy for white supremacist ideals to be couched in this idea of America being American means a specific thing Mm -hmm. as opposed to the beauty of America is our diversity And Mm -hmm. so always, I would say, be careful whenever you hear people parroting how someone should react to trauma or to blatant racism, because the Mm -hmm. policing of those reactions is part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, I think I think we did it. I mean, I think. We're trying to bring some levity um, in the situation because I think that's that's important that that never goes away. Yeah. Um, that we still, we, you know, we're serious. We have moments of being serious, but also um, can talk about some lighter things, which I think, again, like Jordan Pill did so well in this movie. Yeah. Um, there has to be moments of laughter, even in, in the midst of um, extreme pain. And um so uh, in the show notes, we will put some links to some organizations that you um, can donate to um, that will help, uh, you know, people who are, are dealing with this issue head on. Um, but I think that's I think this is the best way to get into it for this podcast. You know, there's other p- places where we we both Paige and I and even other people have platforms to talk about these issues. But I think for now this is this is this is this is good for this podcast this is i think we did what we what we wanted to do and um and without ignoring what's happening yeah so thank you guys for listening and um check out again check out the show notes and write us a review share this podcast with your friends and we'll be black next time bye bye